so cute. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. If I don't know you, my name is James. I'm the campus pastor here at South Hills, South County. And again, just a quick, quick reminder, we will be at the Ocean Club on uh, Christmas Eve and Sunday. Then we'll be back here the following Sunday. But, uh, but we're going to have a really good Christmas. It's going to be a lot of fun. I've been talking to Michael about some of the elements we're going to do for our Christmas Eve service. So uh, make sure that you're there and make sure you're telling everybody you know. We're going to be um, having a church service literally like on the ocean. It's going to be pretty cool. So make sure you check that out. You know, I love the harbor because that's where we'll be. And one of the cool traditions that Melanie and I and the girls now have is we, we love going to the harbor and getting our pictures taken. We love all these different uh, uh, traditions that we have. You know, I love the lights and Christmas songs and all these things. That I love all these traditions that we do during this time of year. But one of the traditions that I love the most is getting Christmas cards. I love it. And I'm glad that we didn't do away with Christmas cards when social media really came into the picture because I love getting Christmas cards. In fact, do we have a picture of our Christmas card? Yeah, that's all. That's a, uh, Melanie's mom made that for us. And we put all of our cards up there. And we absolutely love, love, love getting them, looking at them. Uh, it's just, it's so cool. It's so fun. Now, we didn't do a Christmas card picture this year. We're going to do it next year. But one of the things that I noticed is for some people, when they give a Christmas card, they usually put, like, their picture, and then they put their, their kids' names or their names, and they say Merry Christmas or, or whatever. And then there's other people that give you a card. And in the card, there's, like, a page of stuff that they've, been, that they've done all year. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily do that myself, uh, but I get it. I get why people put all that stuff in. Then it got me thinking, well, what would, what would I put in? What would I put in this year? If I'm highlighting everything, how do I fit it all in a Christmas card? What would I put in? And I was thinking about it, and this has been a big year for our family. This year, we started a church. You know, I mean, that's a big, big deal. Um, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. You got a picture? We started a church. The girls got baptized at the church. It's been really, really cool. We, they started a new school, and they love the new school that they're in. They love that. Last week... Last week, we got a puppy. We, yeah, that's it. Isn't that crazy? I mean, her name is Lady Duchess Valencia. That's her. And it's been a very, very big year. And I don't know what we would put into it. I know what I would not put into it. I would not include the Rams in my year. That's fine. Uh, it's been a very rough year. Exclude that. But it's like, what do I put in there? What do I want to highlight? Some of you might be thinking right now, I don't know if I'd want to highlight this year at all. It's been a tough year, and I'm not sure what I'd want to, what I'd want to put in. Here's a question. How selective are you about what goes into your summary? How do you decide which ones to hide in your heart? Out of all the things that have happened this year, how do you decide that? Because whether you realize it or not, when life gets confusing or disappointed, overwhelming, you start to become who you tell yourself you are. If you had a bad year, that means you have a bad life. If you had a bad day, you've had a bad week. It's like now you're just kind of piling on yourself, thinking, is this ever going to get any better? Am I ever going to catch a break? Then you start to rob yourself of the whole point of Christmas, of why Jesus came in the first place. And it's tough. And here's why that's important. What you put in your secret summary is, what, is what's steering your life. What you put in your secret summary, that is what's steering your life. If you're feeling it with all the junk that happened in 2019, maybe the regrets, maybe the uh, disappointments, maybe the things you didn't get or the things you, you thought you should have had, 
where the things that you thought should have been better, it's a recipe for a joyless existence. But what would it look like if you were more selective? What would it look like to find a joy-filtered focus? Now, you could say, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor James. I just saw your highlights. You got some beautiful kids, and they got baptized. You got to do this, start this church, and that was your dream. That was the, the prayer that God put on your heart. You got to do that. That's great for you. You got a beautiful family. It seems like things are going really good for you, Pastor James. But my, I didn't have that year. Maybe you're sitting down going, you know what? I, I'm still going another year after broken relationship after broken relationship. I'm still going another year trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for my bills. You got a puppy. I just got more bills. I got more grief. I got more uh, disruptions in my family. I got more health scares. I got more of this stuff that I never asked for and I never wanted, but that's good for you. But what do I put? If you choose to do that, you are going to find that your filter you're looking through is going to constantly lead you to have you, your joy robbed from you. And let me make something very, very clear. I just gave you the highlights of the year that I was excited about. I, I, I know what you're feeling. I remember the, the Christmas of 2009 when my mom didn't understand. I remember Thanksgiving of 2012 when our girls saw uh, their uh, grandfather for the last time because he passed away the day after. I remember uh, a couple years ago being taken away from a, a ministry and people that I absolutely loved. And I had that hurt of what are you doing in my life? What do you want to do in my life? I don't get it. So yeah, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I've been there. It sucks. It hurts. It's painful. I don't, you don't like it. And then you start to look at your life going, well, you know what? These bad things happen in my life. I've got a bad life. I'm not very good. Things are not very good at all for me. But in all of that, it's up to you. It's, you have the power to decide what filter you want to see your life through. You could look at all the things that bad happen, and you could think, well, my life's terrible, like it's awful, and I'm terrible. Or you could say, I'm going to choose, and it is your choice, to select, be selective with what I put in my heart, what I hold on to, and I'm going to choose to look at my life through a joy-focused filter. So much of the Christmas story is about this, and we're going to read that right now. These are new. <clears throat> Luke 2, 1, 9 through 19. Oh, this is so better. Uh, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirius was governor of Syria. And, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave him birth to the, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left, when had left them and gone into 
uh, heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger when they had seen him. They spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Now, that's the Christmas story, but this is what I really want you to focus on today because this is what our entire message is going to be on today. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. All of this stuff is going around. This is a chaotic, crazy time in history. But she chose, she said, I pondered this in my heart. The Greek phrase translated kept in her heart means to hide away, to continually protect, to hold on to, to refuse to let go of, to remember indefinitely. The Greek phrase translated as thought about often means to revisit over and over again, to repetitively consider and constantly compare. So you think of the highlights from the small section of her story. She hid them in her heart, continually protected them. She held on to them. She refused to let them go so she could revisit them over and over again in her mind, repetitively consider them and constantly compare them. This was the filter that Mary chose to have. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's great for you, Mary. You had an angel appear to you. You had prophecy on your side. You had all this extra stuff going on. So, I mean, yeah. But Mary lived a very difficult life. These are the things that she chose to put in her heart, but the things that were going around was very, very difficult. For starters, uh, she was uh, there at a time when uh, Augustus, Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome. And the Caesars were a very narcissistic bunch. Okay, so they thought of themselves as gods in human form. Julius Caesar declared himself a god, which meant his son, Augustus Caesar, was the son of God. His armies conquered the majority of the known world. The Senate called him the Prince of Peace. His army would march through the streets, chanting peace through victory, which actually really meant peace through violence. The common phrase of the day was, Caesar is Lord. If you disagreed, they tortured you, they slaughtered you, maybe even crucifying your family. If you agreed, then you were adopted in the peaceful empire in exchange for paying 70 to 80% of taxes on everything that you owned. The people were starving, losing their land, their homes, everything they had spent their lifetime building. And if you were Jewish, it was even worse because you believed in one true God and it wasn't Caesar. So now you really had a target on your back. This is the life that Mary lived. It wasn't easy. Not to mention her pregnancy started showing uh, the one that was from God, and she was still a virgin, but nobody believed her. Her fiancé, Joseph, that we talked about last week, he had, in mind, he had minded to leave her. He didn't want this. He never asked for this. Can you imagine if Joseph would have left? She would have tried to, to do this. She's a virgin birth, nobody around her. There's a lot of things that she could have been terrified of. There's a lot of things she could have complained about. She could have said, God, why me? Why are you doing this to me? Everywhere she went, people were whispering about her. The names people called her behind her back often, often brought Mary to tears. It wasn't easy. So how does she manage in the midst of all that to hide the right things in her heart? Most of us would have been drowned in discouragement, but she walked away with joy. How is that possible? Let me start by saying this. Mary was a person. She was not a god. She was not without sin. She was not this holy being that just appeared one day. She was a person just like me and you. But she had a choice. She had a choice to follow God or not. God never said it was going to be easy. But she had a choice. And she chose to follow God. God saw in Mary that humble heart. She was humble and kind and gentle. 
She was after his own heart. She was selected by God to carry his son, the Messiah. But she was not. But she chose to continue to trust God through the rough road, even when the pain did come. She grew closer to him. Guys, often in our pain, in our pain, we grow closer to God. If Mary, the one God chose to have his son, is going to go through pain, you better believe that we are too. But it's in those times that we actually grow closer to God. As annoying as it may be, pain has a purpose. It alerts us that something is wrong, something has gone outside the boundaries it was created to exist within. That's why it hurts so bad. Because the world is broken, it's gone outside the boundaries it was created to to exist within. And sometimes we forget that, but never for too long. Because something always happens, a sudden moment of excruciating pain, something happens that says we're outside the boundaries of what we're supposed to live in. Something is wrong. Maybe it's when you get stabbed in the back by someone you thought you can trust. You ever been there? Maybe it's when an addiction steals the life out from under someone you love. When a war breaks out, when bombs go off, when an embezzlement scandal surfaces, when babies starve and hundreds die daily of parasites from drinking dirty water, something that could easily be prevented. When a hurricane hits and annihilates a city, when you, when you turn on the news and you see there's been yet another shooting, the pain is overwhelming, unbearable, indescribable. And it's in those times that we know something is wrong. And it's in those times we say, God, where are you? Where are you? I thought you were this loving, peaceful grandpa type guy in the clouds. Where are you? You have the power to stop all this. Where are you? What's going on? And God says, well, at least you're talking to me now. At least you're looking at me. Scriptures describe a God whose heart breaks when humans suffer, who is passionate enough about people that he planned to insert himself into history to rescue humanity and restore creation to the way it was made to function. That, friends, is why he sends his son. He says, I am going to be in it with you to comfort you. I'm going to be in it to, to save you. You don't need a politician. You don't need a king. You need a savior. The world is broken. You're in pain. And I need to send my son down to fix everything. Let me make something very clear. If you watch the news today, I want to make something abundantly clear. Politicians cannot save this world. More laws cannot save this world. Celebrities cannot save this world. Billionaires cannot save this world. Pastors cannot save this world. Jesus is the only cure for the brokenness of this world, and it was set up by God. You know, often we think about the birth of Jesus in the Christmas story, and we think, well, this is something that just kind of randomly happened to these shepherds, and they were out there tending to their flock, and then one day an angel appears, and this kind of randomly happened. Friends, this is prophecy. God said this was going to happen. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Friends, this is 700 years before this happens. Micah 5, 2, 750 years. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from the old, from ancient times. Isaiah 11.1 talks about the ancient uh, ancient, uh, family tree of David. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. In Isaiah 9.7, 
talking about Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Guys, this was prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the event actually took place. Guys, this is not the Da Vinci Code here. It's not like some random, obscure prediction that Nostradamus made that we're trying to figure out, but we're not quite sure how it did. God literally said, this is how I'm going to do it. I am going to give you step by step by step by step how I'm going to do it. You need rescuing. You need a savior. I'm sending my son, and this is exactly how I'm going to do it. And it happened exactly how God said it would. Now, you're Mary, and one day you're in the midst of this broken mess that she's living in, but an angel appears and tells, in this, this terrible time in history, an angel appears and tells Mary that she's a virgin, she's going to go give birth to the Messiah. She realized that prophecy after prophecy are being fulfilled by the events around her. And she has the baby, and just, just like a normal baby, except shepherds show up and worship him as the son of God, the prince of peace. Apparently an entire army of angels appear to them too. There's no way Augustus is going to let this go unnoticed. She could have been worried about that. Yet despite everything else going on in her world, she chooses only to hide in her heart the things which point to redemption, brokenness, sinfulness, selfishness. These things were everywhere. She didn't need them an internal reminder of that. She lived in the middle of it. But the thing that brought her hope, peace, and joy was the redemption on its, was on its way as she was a part of it. And any moment or memory that pointed to that, she hid in her heart. The Bible uses the phrase, kept things in her heart and thought about often. The Bible uses it actually twice. But I like to think that Mary lived her whole life that way. When she saw her son going through what he went through. When she saw him start his ministry. When she saw him growing up. When she saw him eventually being tortured and crucified. I think she, she chose to put a lot of, them, of those things in her heart because that's what she grew up with. She had the same Bible we have, the Old Testament, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In the New Testament... Writers grabbed hold of her example, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. She did that. And it may be the thing that we could admire most about Mary. She chose, I'm going to hold on to these things, lovely, admirable, right. I don't always get this right, guys. You know what I find is that during Christmas or during a lot of times, I get this wrong most often when I'm thinking about myself. When I'm thinking about the things that um, are, are going wrong for me or what I should have or, what, uh, or how life is unfair or I should have more, I should be more, I should have that guy's car, I should have that person's vacation, I should have that thing. And I start to think about other things that I don't have and it robs me of my joy. Uh, there's a story that happened to one of our members in uh, South Hills, Corona, and one of the things that he found that broke him of that cycle was to uh, serve, was to not think about himself. Can you see that? Uh, the video for the South Hills, thanks. Uh, you love that? Okay. Toward the end? <laughs> No, no. Can you help, please? 
Actually, you know what? I'm going to say that for like as we wait for that video to get in. That was one of my things is that there's a lot of competition going on. And instead of uh, competing with my neighbor, did we get that? that? Can we see that picture one more time? I thought that was really funny. Did we get that? No? Okay. Feel free to talk to your neighbor, friends. This is what we do when we have one service. Ditto. There you go. Do we have that video? Great. <laughs> My parents got divorced when I was about seven, I think. I started off in high school doing great, actually. I kind of hopped around, you know, just trying to see where I felt the most comfortable. And uh, of course, I felt comfort in the biggest troublemakers on, on campus, I guess. I got caught up in pills and painkillers and stuff. I let that run my life till it made me homeless, till, till it brought me to the end of myself. I started using heroin and I never skipped a day after that for the next three years straight. So I just started spiraling. Mostly I was smoking meth, I was shooting cocaine and there was times that I would put them all in one shot and just send it. I, I was hoping I wasn't gonna wake up one of them times, you know. In those dark times, I, I had these drawings and those pieces of paper were filled with like nothing but evil. A lot of depression, a lot of suicide, a lot of just just darkness. When, it, when I was in that state of mind, it scared me to my core. One day, I remember I had been up, oh my gosh, I, I had been up for days. And uh, I found my mom and I, I asked her, I, I go, can you, can you take me, you know, take me to the rehab? It, it didn't happen right away either. It, it took time, like I still use drugs and stuff. I slowly started, started coming back out of it. And my sister, she had been going to South Hills. So as I came out of it, she was like super happy, you know, that, that I was uh, coming out of it. So I started searching for the truth. I, I felt a pull towards the church. South Hills, of course it was the sign, a perfect place for imperfect people was one of the, the things that, that drew me in because I thought, you know, who more imperfect to try this out, right? As time went on, I just got hungry. I just got hungry for the word. I started drawing, they were godly images now. Like the, the things that were inside me, I was drawing on paper. So I would start drawing stuff, Jesus on the cross, and it was God all along that, that was pulling me, you know? I, I felt like even in the dark times, that's what I believe it was. It was just Him. As I started coming to church more, I heard one of the pastors say that they talked about how they needed help. So I started serving. It was a lot different than what I thought it was gonna be. I had never served anybody besides myself my entire life. As I've been going, meeting all the people has in a way healed me. It proves to me that I'm where I'm supposed to be. I get excited when it's my turn to serve. As the years clicked by, I was blessed with a tattoo shop. It was the first thing I prayed about. It, it was pretty surreal, you know, uh, thinking I have my own tattoo studio. 
my goodness, it's just the beginning. My, my story just started three years ago is what it feels like to me. Any employees that I hire, I think that they are people I could possibly minister to. And so it gives you a lot of opportunities and I, I think that's what I'm there for. I'm, I'm here to shine that light on, on the tattoo industry. Okay, so, yeah. So if anybody's looking for a good tattoo artist, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's honestly, it starts by saying, okay, I'm not going to look at myself anymore, what I'm not getting, what's not fair to me. I'm going to look outside and look to help someone else. Guys, when we ask you to serve, it's not like, hey, we really need free labor, so kind of sign this thing because we need a lot of free labor. It's what it does to your heart. It's, it's what it does for you to say, you know what, it's, it is not about me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve something else. Now, listen, if you're going, well, you know what, that's, that's asking a lot, and, and, and I, I don't really go here. Well, then whatever church you choose to go to, serve there. But do something. Get out of just this mindset if it's all about, because when you start focusing on you, you're going to focus on the things you don't have. You're going to focus on the things that went wrong. But you got to focus on, like, you know what, I'm going to go, and I'm going to serve and I'm going to help somebody else, and that's going to take the attention off of me, and it's going to put a light on what God has for me. Maybe Christmas for you is a joy killer. I know that sounds weird, but maybe this Christmas you're thinking of what you don't have. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, this isn't right. I, I'm supposed to have better health right now. Or a loved one should not be suffering the way that I'm afraid. Or my relationship should be healthier right now. Or I'm afraid of, of what this addiction is doing to me. Or I'm afraid that I can't afford all the presents that I just bought. Or I'm afraid that I don't have somebody to spend Christmas with and let's watch Christmas movies with. Or I'm afraid that, 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 that my kids are never going to get any better. Or whatever it is. And Christmas is a reminder. It's a highlight of things that are going wrong in your life. And you're frustrated. And you're confused. And you're looking at all these movies and you're thinking, my life isn't like that. My life's tough. I don't have the spouse... Uh, that I wish I had. I don't have the family I wish I had. Money, gifts, health, things aren't going the way I want them to. My suggestion to you is look at a different list. You're looking at the wrong list. I got a text from a good buddy of mine the other day, and it simply said, you forever changed our lives, dot, 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 thank you. You forever changed our lives, dot, 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 thank you. Now, this text was a good, from a good buddy of mine, and if you knew my buddy, which some of you do, you're going to go, yeah, that guy's great. His name was Philip, Philip Conjolier. And uh, if some of you know he's a pastor. He was a pastor at a church that we were both at at one time, and he's just a great guy, always a class, glass half full guy. I mean, literally, I used to call him Buddy for Buddy the Elf because he was just like bouncing around and hugging everybody, and he was just like this nicest, great guy. No matter what happened, it was always a good thing. He's always like this passionate guy like that. And so one day, a few years ago, it was Mother's Day, and somebody said, you need to go see Philip. He's not doing well. And I was like, well, what's the matter? And they go, he's just not well. And that's odd because Philip was just smiling and laughing and joking every time that I saw him. So I said, okay. So I go, are you okay? And he had been crying, and he said, no, I don't want to be here, which was weird for Philip. He loved church. I think he would have, like, petitioned the church board of America to have church Monday through Saturday and Sunday too. I mean, he just loved being at church. He loved people. He said, I don't want to be here. And I said, why not? And he said, because 
we've tried to have a kid again. We thought we were, and it's Mother's Day, and we just found out that, we're, that Alex is not pregnant, and I can't be here anymore. I just can't be here, and she can't be here. She can't even get out of bed. I don't want to be here today. I don't want to be around people celebrating Mother's Day when we can't have a child. Um, I just can't do it. So I said, can I, can I pray for you? And he said, sure. So I prayed for him, and I said, why don't you just stay here? We had this little side room. I go, why don't you just stay here and hang out? He goes, I don't even want to see people right now. It's like, okay, just chill out here for a little bit. And I had a lot to do, and I'm going around and talking to everybody and making sure everything's working right. And I had a lot to do. Uh, I didn't have to worry about a message. So just press play. Um, but uh, <clears throat> that, wasn't too, that wasn't too hard. Uh, so I was like, man, I don't know. What to, how, do, how do I help him? At that moment, or actually after that service, a, one of our uh, ushers came up to me and uh, knocked on the door and said, I need to talk to you immediately. And I said, what? I thought somebody had a heart attack or something fell. I was like, what's going on? She goes, I need to talk to you immediately. I'm like, well, what is it? And she hands me a card. So I look at the card, I open it up, and she looked at me and I looked at her and we smiled. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit, who is alive and well and present here, was with us. At that moment, we didn't have to say a word. I said, thank you. She goes, no problem. Like she knew what it meant. I came into the room where he was, and I said, Philip, I think I just met your future baby. And he said, that's not even funny. And I said, read this. A guest from our church was their very first time to church. She was a girl with her parents, her family. She was leaving church because it was too hard to be there. It was Mother's Day. And she handed her prayer card to the first person that she saw, which was our usher. As Philip opened it and read it, it said her name and said, I'm 16 years old and I'm pregnant and I don't know what I'm going to do. If there's a God, help him help me with this. I'm scared. He looked at me, I looked at him, and we smiled. He called his wife, Alex, that day. They ended up meeting her, and they ended up adopting that child, and her name is Kinsley. The text he sent me was, you forever changed our lives, was attached to a picture of a letter that I wrote to the adoption board. Now, they still tried to have children, and they could not conceive, you know, naturally or whatever, so uh, they decided, you know what, we're going to adopt another child. So, so they started another profit organization called Love Multiplies. And they started talking to people about their infertility issues. And then they started a YouTube channel about their chronicling this pain that they were going through, immense pain that they were going through. Because even though they loved their girls, they so badly wanted uh, to conceive uh, out of natural childbirth. And so, and so they, they, they kept trying and trying and trying, and, and people were following them. To this day, there are hundreds of thousands of followers to, this or, to, to Love Multiplies, what they're talking about. They continue to look through the filter of a joy-focused filter. Even in the pain, even in the frustration, even in the hard times, even in the things that say, why me, why us, why can't we just have this? And, 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 and there was still that pain, that frustration. But they chose, we're going to have a joy-focused filter. Just a couple months ago, Alex announced on their social media that she is now pregnant. And they're expecting their first uh, naturally born child. But make no mistake, they're not going to love that child any less than those two children that they adopted. 
Now you can think, well, does that mean they have an easy life? Does that mean they have? No. No. They actually, they actually uh, uh, took off from Orange County, and they live in an RV because it's the easiest way to travel at the lowest cost so they can talk to churches and they could talk to uh, organizations about their organization, Love Multiplies. Tens of thousands of people have been affected by this. That's their family. And just last month, that picture that you're seeing was on People Magazine when they were featured on People Magazine. What if God would have given them exactly what they asked for, exactly what they wanted, when they wanted it? Literally hundreds of thousands of people would not have been able to be blessed by them. God knew he was going to give them a baby. He just said, hold on a second. You just need to trust me first because I'm doing something with your lives that are far bigger than you can see. So when we talk about what you're going through, all you're doing is focusing on what's not working. And so, yeah, they could have focused on what's not working and been miserable. But they chose, we're going to trust God and we're going to see what he's doing in a joy-focused filter. And they're able to celebrate this right now. That's their home. (sighs) Friends, I know that this time of year might be rough for you for a variety of different reasons. I want to encourage you today to look at your life with that filter. My question to you is, what are you going to choose to hold on to in your heart this Christmas? What you don't have or the promises that God has for you? It's up to you. It's your choice. We are going to commit to holding on to the hope that Christmas brings. We have the opportunity to, uh, to give this to God, to give this time to God, to give our church Christmas Eve service to God. We have an opportunity to give a lot of people, introduce a lot of people to hope that they don't have right now. But we are going to do this together. And if you're here and you're think, saying, this is a tough time for me, I'm really struggling right now, I have pain. Why is, why, if God's real, why do I have pain? Understand this. Maybe instead of thinking he's punishing you, maybe he's trying to get closer to you. He sees the impossible. You only see the possible. He's doing something. By the way, if you think, well, I wish my family was perfect like them, we've all got our own stuff. All of us do. Let's choose together to focus on what God wants us to focus on this Christmas. Let's bring people into church uh, Christmas Eve. I have not yet written the message, but I'm assuming it's on this week. I got till Tuesday. Pray for me, please. That's my prayer request. But bottom line, guys, is uh, it's no wonder that this time of year, 80% of Americans are, say that Christmas gives them more stress. And they said it's related to finances and family. Uh, friends, people need the hope of Jesus. They just do. It's a fact. And we could do that. We could actually give that to them this Christmas. Uh, let's pray. Father, <clears throat> Father, I know that there are people here that are um, they're having a hard time. They're just not sure about their finances. Maybe there's uh, illness in the family. Maybe there's struggle in the family. Maybe there's addiction in the family. Maybe there's, um, you know, the kids, something's going on with the kids in the family. Maybe they, people here want children and are having a hard time uh, with that. Um, whatever the case is, God, you, you know it. And, God, it's up to us. If we're going to focus on the things that are going wrong, then, God, it's going to affect us in our lives, and we're going to think we have bad lives, or this is a bad year because bad things happen this year. 
Uh, but God, help us to choose to be more like Mary and to ponder the things in our heart that are righteous, that are pure, that are loving. Father, nobody in this room can say they don't have one because we have this church. And all they would need to do is look around and see family. Family that's in it when it's not easy. Family that's serving selflessly. Family that's giving selflessly. Family that's loving selflessly. Family that's not going to judge them. Family doesn't think they're better than them. Family that's going to trust you with them. Every single one of us in this room, in this church, can say we are loved and we have a church family that shows us all the time. So God, help us to focus on what you're doing for us this Christmas season. I pray for the message, for all of the things that we have planned this Christmas Eve. Uh, Father, we give this to you. And we thank you in advance because we know that you're going to use us, the people, these, a group of people that struggle with sin and, and dysfunction. You're going to use us to do the impossible. And Tuesday night, lives will be changed forever. And you're going to use us to do it. Thank you for that privilege. It's in your name. Amen.